0: Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Ross. It been me great pleasure to welcome back an almost regular guest on our program, Malcolm Elliott, who's the president of the Australian Primary Principles Association. Welcome back to Viewpoints, Malcolm.
1: Thanks very much, Henry, and lovely to be with you. Thanks uh, for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. Now, I had the pleasure of being an attendee at the recent uh, APA, as we call it, uh, the acronym, conference uh, in Sydney earlier this month, um, Reconnect, Re-Engage, re You were, as the president, uh, obviously a lead light in that. Tell us a bit about the conference and, firstly, why you chose those three themes.
1: The, the themes really emerged uh, quite logically from the level of emotional experience uh, that people had during the COVID uh, pandemic, a- as it was over that period of two years when it wasn't possible for us to get together as a professional group. So firstly, the, the reconnect, re-engage, reimagine imagine uh, concept was a- about those first two things. And then latterly, but just as importantly was well, where do we go to from here? And that remains Mm. one of the very, very uh, big questions that many people are trying to engage with right now. So what have we learned from that COVID period and what do we do with that learning?
0: Mm. Mm. You had a great array of people there. We'll start with the minister who came on the second day and gave gave an inspiring, I think, and very... uh, uh, forthright analysis of uh, the situation and what he is the Minister for Education Fredley, is, is hoping to achieve. Um, some people are a bit sceptical. They've seen governments come and go and they, they want to know that uh, great words are followed by great deeds. Now you've had the pleasure of being in round tables with the Minister Minister Clare as well. Um, what's your take on, on what we can expect from uh, the current uh, government and our new Minister?
1: Well okay. the The first thing that um, has been impressed upon me by the Minister's approach is that step one is is listening. Uh, Part of that listening is informed by what he knows from information that's available to all of us in the profession of education. But he, in the listening process, is very interested in hearing about what life is like on the ground for our teachers, while at the same time acknowledging the Challenges that we are facing in what he is referring to as a crisis, and what the Commonwealth Department of Education is openly acknowledging as a crisis in teaching, and the knock on effect, if you like, of the difficulties that we're going to face in replacing our school leaders. He seems to have a very uh, practical orientation to the situation. He seems to be very calm in the face of adversity, but determined. Uh, He is a person it is easy to communicate with. Uh, and since he settled into the role, we've found uh, opportunities to speak with him to be very uh, ready. Uh, so we have no difficulty in that direction whatsoever. So we're, we're hopeful uh, we, uh, that the listening and the talking uh, will translate into action. And of course, uh, as we speak today, mm. uh, the minister's action plan around uh, teacher workforce development is in a consultation phase, and it will only be about a week or so between now and when the ministers get back together to assess uh, the plans and the feedback on those six areas of action from that action plan. So, in short, uh, we've got someone we can really talk to. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the signs are encouraging um, uh, on, a, on a personal level, uh, a very engaging uh, character, and we're looking forward to those talks turning into practical actions because we need them to be
0: enacted mm, yes i got the feeling at the conference uh, there's a sort of um urgency and desperation among a lot of school leaders where we're looking for glimmers of hope uh, which we really haven't seen as much of as we'd like and of course the pandemic's made it harder what did you um what have you impressed on the minister as being matters uh, of great importance to, to to all the principals that you represent
1: well we uh from a A uh, theoretical point of view, which is not so much theoretical as uh, the (laughs) link into practical, is is uh, you know the purposes of education are about the individual child, our own social development as a nation, our economic uh, circumstances, and the growth and support for democracy. Which, of course, he's a very capable fellow, and he can completely understand that. And then we go to the practicalities of education in Australia, such a vast area that we've got some schools in some areas where uh, things have been going well for a long time and then we've got the challenges of rural, regional and remote education in Australia, as well as areas within our urban uh, landscapes which experience disadvantage, all of which he understands. But then there's this really big picture issue of saying that somehow uh, the profession of teaching has lost its standing in the community and school leadership is profoundly affected by this and that really we're in a desperate situation, as you quite rightly pointed out, in terms of uh, having uh, uh, enough teachers, let alone a discussion about whether or not we've got the right teachers, but just having enough teachers to take on the roles in our schools, uh, not only for next year in 2023, but right now. Right now, and I'm aware of uh, some uh, practices going on where people are trying to engage teachers uh, Mm -hmm. and getting them uh, wherever they can. offering some forms of inducement and of course this uh, varies across the country so in speaking with minister claire we're talking about what the purposes are what the current situation is which is uh, really as he describes a crisis the importance of teaching to our nation and then the need for us to act in a unified way across the country and this is always a big challenge when we've got a federated system so uh, we've got some big challenges at hand and these are some of the things that we've talked about Although well, i must add if i may Uh, But uh, while we recognise the importance of literacy and numeracy uh, and well-being at the core of uh, education, we also want to make sure that we continue to educate the whole child and that a focus on data derived from the one-off testing of NAPLAN, which is largely uh, misinterpreted by the broader community, is a very serious issue for us.
0: Mm now the the conference you had some wonderful speakers there and I the feeling I got uh, in my own which I have conveyed to you was it was an outstanding conference uh, stan grant was the mc he was an excellent choice not just because he's high profile uh, he he brought he brought uh, the I guess, the First Nations focus to the front of it, uh, something about inclusiveness and diversity, uh, which was a theme too at the conference, and that was important.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, I I can't speak highly enough of the contribution that Stan Grant made to the conference. Uh, He he was tremendous in the technical role of MC, but he was also uh, wonderful in the uh, Q&A-style interviews Mm. that he did after each of the uh, keynote uh, addresses. And on several occasions, he was able to illuminate the experience of people who feel, who have experienced uh, marginalisation within a society, Uh, what that narrative is, how it affects people and what we must do to redress that. And put into the context of the sorts of marginalisations that run throughout uh, not only Australian society, but world society as well. Also, and, and that, that we have got some very serious social and cultural issues to address in this in this nation. Uh, you know, um, although a lot of people misinterpret Donald Horne's uh, book, *The Lucky Country*, mm. uh, simply on its own title, that phrase is profoundly ironic, and that was Donald Horne's intention. And in fact, Australia is a, a country where, where there's a lot of opportunity. And we have to face the question about whether or not we're making the most of that opportunity for what we would all hope would be a really egalitarian, strongly democratic, um, very much... uh, equal society um, characterised by fairness. We're up against it at the moment.
0: Mm. Now, in your role as President of APA, APA, as you said, we're a federated country and that presents uh, incredible challenges for politicians and sometimes I think we can expect too much of them given the type of system we have. As President of APA, um, and you've already alluded to it, you you actually represent, uh, as the President and the Board uh, a diverse range of uh, primary schools across the country, across the states, they all have different systems, as well as um, public and private sector uh, sectors uh, of education. How do you make it all work? I, I don't envy you your job, Malcolm.
1: <laughs> oh, well... Uh it's not me that makes it work, Henry. Of course you'd be <laughs> expecting me to say that. Uh, it, it all it all runs very much on goodwill and a and mm. particular set of focuses, and, and those focuses really are on leadership development, uh, the quality of Australian education, and uh, uh, a care for our own community. So all those three things are, are easy to hold in common with anybody who works in a school because, as you know, In a classroom, on any given day, in any given moment, you're dealing with the children you have in front of you, and all every single one of those uh, children deserves the highest level of professional care, concern, uh, and uh, and teaching. So uh, that's what we have all have in common, and we're very interested in those four purposes of education that I mentioned previously. So we want Australia to thrive, and we believe that the only way that any community can really thrive is through respectful communication, and those are the Really, the the, uh, the planks that we build our uh, association on. We understand that people will say, but what about the the differences in funding between uh, government schools, independent schools, and Catholic schools? And we can uh, we discuss this uh, amongst ourselves. Broadly speaking, our position is that those decisions are made by politicians. Uh, we were heartened by the presence of the Gonski Institute and its findings, uh, uh, both in versions one and two. And we're heartened by the legislation, which is set to come to its fruition, if you like, uh, in 2029, about Australia's uh, funding processes to schools being equalised, being needs-based, sector-blind. And that's the phrase that we hang our hat on. We just want education to be uh, uh, funded according to the needs of children, regardless of whatever school it is that they might be attending.
0: Mm, and I must say, the conference, uh, you couldn't pick uh, who was where, and it was actually a very collaborative conference. And uh, perhaps mm. uh, within within that context, to be able to do that might be uh, an example that others could well follow in other forums. Now, who... Um, there were many impressive speakers who came from many, many different perspectives there. You had the pleasure, I guess, of meeting all of them individually or to some extent. Um, yeah. Just picking a couple out without saying they were better than the others. Uh, you might like to, to, to just showcase a couple of them that had a greater impression on you.
1: Well, um, well, well, they all did, which, uh, and I found mm. it uh, quite inspiring uh, all the way across because our speakers were chosen by committee and the way that it all came together was absolutely beautiful and extremely powerful. Uh, so a couple that, that sit well and and uh, remind me of that importance of, were Richard Harris, the anaesthetist, mm. who uh, told his story of going to Thailand to, ta- to play the amazing role that he and his uh, colleagues did in uh, rescuing all the children uh, from the cave in, in, uh, in northern Thailand. And the way that he dealt selflessly with the epithet of hero uh and he said Look, you know we went into these caves and we did what we did because we're very very experienced cave divers so that was a process that we knew how to do and as an anesthetist i knew how to manage the process that we went through and I've, i found the whole thing really uh, on a on a knife's edge of um, emotional mm-hmm. content that that can and so I you know I don't want to be a spoiler for people who will hear Richard speak yes. or or see the television programs or the film that they made about it. So I won't go too much further down there. But I think he handled that exceptionally well. Uh, and then the other one too was Mark Carter, mm-hmm. uh, who was the first of the keynotes, and uh, he he spoke really about the uh, the social narrative uh, across the twentieth century and into the twenty first century of the events that are really shaping our national and international psyche. And for me, this uh, sets the tone uh, that we faced up to so much trauma and we continue to face it. There is no surprise that we are experiencing the sorts of social difficulties that we do now. And really, the conflict in Ukraine, notwithstanding, and, and in other places around the world, we have a remarkably harmonious society. But our message must be that we, we have to put aside any border-based differences, any sectarian-based differences. And instead of being tolerant, be accepting, be accepting and embracing of the the breadth of humanity and that together we can face down the challenges that uh, are ahead of us uh, and overcome some of these issues like climate change that, that you know, we're absolutely front and centre for all of us right now. So those are two examples, but then uh, amongst Mm -hmm. that two, um, uh, 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 Kemi, who spoke of her uh, life as a Ghanaian English woman and what she experienced and how she has risen through all that and how she makes an understanding of all that. And many of the other speakers, too, who shared their narratives mm. of coming from uh, life, um, uh, aspects of life, experiencing lots of disadvantage and uh, Stan Grant's own uh, a keynote that he delivered about his own life story attending 15 mm. different schools and being asked a question by, very innocently, no doubt, by yep. one of his classmates when he was at primary school, why are you so black?
0: Mm. Absolutely.
1: It was, was marvellous.
0: Mm. One that, uh, all of those and others, um, one that struck me in terms of... Uh, looking forward to the future and certainly in terms of technology and it raises a lot of Mm. questions, was Catriona Wallace, uh, Responsible Metaverse. Now, I hadn't heard of Metaverse before to any great level um, before Catriona gave her presentation, but um, we're facing huge challenges in the ethics, morality and uh, the integrity of what we do in terms of the use of technology in schools uh, in the very near future, um, Malcolm.
1: Well, today yeah. and last week, and last year. So we're already living with it, aren't we? And uh, uh, this is—I'm really glad you raised this because uh, this is a, a very, very big concern for us. And I think mm-hmm. it, it has to be, um, you know, front and center again for our, um, our politicians and our legislators, but also within our society. We need to talk about what kind of community we want and what rules uh, are we going to put in place around uh, the ways that we are going to engage with the technologies? Because there are so many uh, ethical and moral dilemmas around all this. So on the one hand, we don't want to be, uh, as a teaching profession, we don't want to be turning away from something we don't fully understand, but equally we have to be careful about how we embrace these things. And we've already seen the difficulties that arise from the spread of uh, the, you know, the pervasive effects of the internet, which is not um, managed well enough. And we're faced with a, a fantastic dilemma. And I mean this in the sense that it's huge, it's 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 the fantasy that uh, people of our age, Henry, used to mm. uh, see on the television when many, many years ago, back in the, way back in the 80s, which to us just seems a bit like yesterday. But anyway, back in the 80s, there was a program called Beyond, uh, Beyond 2000. Yes. And, we, and we could really imagine and engage with what the technology was going to be like. But, of course, there are questions now about who, who would be happy to hop into a driverless car. Well, that's just the start of it. Mm. let alone where we might be going with all this, the technology. But we've got some very, very clear decisions to make about uh, how how um, open we're going to be uh, in our management of uh, these technologies. And, and it's just such a huge element of what really has to be a part of the curriculum for our learning as education leaders, for our learning as teachers, and how we contribute to the community, which is really looking for support and the intellectual tools to come to grips with our social future.
0: Mm. And, of course, um, one of the, the challenges with technology is you can let the genie out of the bottle a little too quickly and, uh, as we often find, it's uh, uh, we see all the benefits – And, of course, um, there's often the dark side, too, that we then have to clean up the mess after after we've uh, started using uh, certain technologies. And I think the metaverse, uh, for those people who aren't familiar with it, is post-internet. And you sort of think, Mm. well... Is there, could there be such a thing as post-internet? Well, as Catriona Wallace showed, yes, and they're already starting to use it in some countries. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes, there's moral and ethical issues, which you quite rightly mentioned uh, at the base end of it. Uh, at times, as always, Malcolm got away from us. Next year's conference, uh, we'll just give it a little plug early on. It's going to be in your home state, Hobart. Mm-hmm.
1: It is from the 31st of July to the 3rd of August, Henry, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, we're looking forward to having hundreds and hundreds of people come to uh, Tasmania. Um, the the main theme is around refresh, mm-hmm. uh, and it really uh, that is uh, symbolic or uh, symbolic and actually practically indicative of what we're saying uh, just in this last part of our conversation there. That given all that's ahead of us. How do we make our way forward, and how do we refresh our, our leadership and refresh our systems of education into uh, this next uh, iteration of uh, education and social development, you know, across the world, let alone uh, in mm. Australia? So it's a, a fabulous uh, thing to be able to do. The conference in Sydney really reinforced the, mm. the importance of re-engaging and reconnecting as humans. And now we have got these big challenges ahead of us and we'll certainly be addressing those at the conference in Hobart.
0: Mm. And uh, as uh, as as I think everyone's noted, the Sydney conference I think has uh, that uh, the upper conference has, has laid a great foundation. I think of hope and enthusiasm in looking forward ahead of some very significant challenges. And I think uh, uh, heading into Hobart in July next year, um, we're all well placed to to see uh, no pressure, Malcolm. Another great conference yeah. down down there in in Hobart.
1: No pressure under. We have so, so many wonderful <laughs> collegial <laughs> people around us, Henry. So, so you, to dodge, it's very easy when you're in these sorts of leadership positions to dodge responsibility and say, Oh, I've got a great team. I've got
0: a great team, Yeah, and they're well led. Malcolm, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on Viewpoints, and you take care.
1: Thank you very much, Henry. Thank you for having me.
0: That was Malcolm Elliott, an inspiring and I think uh, outstanding president of the Australian Primary Principles Association. Uh, we'll take a short break, listeners.